Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to yet another fabulous Airability Inspire Ability. Today, we've got a most amazing guest from over the pond, over in the US, an amazing author and a lovely lady who's actually got a bit of an Airability story as well. So I won't steal John and our guest Thunder, but uh, before I hand you over to John, just um, as ever, we would love to have your support if you enjoy today. Um, if you could visit our Just Giving page, I make a small donation which helps support this fabulous Inspirability program. Just a few pounds plus the gift aid makes a real difference. So thank you for supporting your ability. And uh, we really love keeping the outreach going and using the amazing world of aviation and disability to keep us all connected during these uh, slightly crazy times. So I'll put the link on screen now and again, but also in the text underneath, you'll see the link. So without further ado, let me uh, bring John onto the screen. Hi, John, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much, Mike. And uh, here we are again. Um, I keep saying this, the sun is shining yet again. I've had to close the blinds. It's so bright out there, uh, edging ever closer to uh, getting up in the air. But um, as, as Mike mentioned, um, if ever there's somebody that personifies the Inspirability talks, um, it has to be um, our friend uh, of, of Airability, uh, Jessica Cox. Um, Jessica and I, <clears throat> excuse me, we met at the Oshkosh uh, Air Show um, in the US in 2015. And um, I was very fortunate and privileged to sit in the premiere of a documentary about Jessica and her life um, called Right Footed. Some of you may have seen this and it really is uh, utterly inspirational. Um, so uh, it is my pleasure to welcome uh, Jessica to you all today. Jessica, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Good. Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, this is the point where we uh, embarrass our guests for their accomplishments. Um, so um, just to give everybody a bit of a background, Jessica. Um, so uh, you're from Arizona uh, in the US, uh, as Mike said. Um, this uh, interview today really is close to home um, and um, it's wonderful to see that you paid us a visit uh, at Airability headquarters back in 2016 to learn more about what we do, but for us to learn more about what you're doing in terms of, uh, you know, promoting uh, what it means to be disabled and to uh, break down those barriers and challenge perceptions that we all know are very important and on the minds of those in, in the community. Um, Jessica um, has a, a bachelor's degree in psychology and uh, really is living proof that you can accomplish anything. She has a Guinness Book of Records uh, insertion for the first woman to fly a plane without arms and um, has had a sports pilot certificate issued by the FAA since 2008. And Jessica works as a motivational speaker, has been all around the world, um, has met um, everybody from President Obama to the Pope, um, telling the story um, about her life. Um, she's published a book, as I said, there's a documentary that's been produced uh, about Jessica's life, and we are absolutely honoured, Jessica, to have you with us today. So uh, I hope I haven't embarrassed you too much um, with that wonderful introduction. Um, but what I might do, if I may, is just to play a video to set the, set the scene for everybody, and then we can have a, a good chat. Mike, over to you. wanted to fly like superwoman over my playground because I was so angry about how limited I was.
when I was born. My mom was just devastated. You know, you envision your child to be perfect. You know, 10 fingers, 10 toes. She didn't know, you know, what kind of life could I lead? I was depressed. I don't want any visitors. I closed the curtain and I said, no. Let me be by myself to think over what did I do wrong. My mom was going to take care of me for the rest of my life. I knew that it would be hard for her to let me go. As a child, everyone had something I didn't have, and I knew that people reacted to me different. Having prosthetic arms, people called me Hook or Robot Girl. I struck out against that to prove that I could be as independent as anyone. Six years old, they put her in the dance. I remember the teacher announcing that we were going to have our dance recital on stage in front of all our family and friends, and I didn't want any part of that. And I was so nervous, all I could do was look down at my tap shoes. And then came the time when there was a first round of applause. She wanted to dance in the back row. She didn't know if she even wanted to be in the recital or not. And by showtime, she was ready to dance. And I've seen such a wonderful change in her. My entire life, I'd never met anyone with the same condition as me, but I remember seeing a TV piece about a woman. Her name was Barbara Guerra, and she was a young mom. She had a baby, she was changing the baby's diaper, and after that, I was a different person. It's really incredible how one person can be that difference for someone. When was the last time you said, I can't? How many of you said, I can't, today? And guess what are the two words that I've eliminated from my vocabulary? I can't. I write with my toes. I drive a car with my feet. I use nunchucks with my feet. And actually, in about a month, I'm getting married. How many of you really believe that I fly an airplane without any arms? Let me check how much we got in here. Looks good. It was three years of challenges, but because I had that drive and that desire, I knew that that was going to get me there. The first challenge I had in flight training, buckling up the harness. I actually stood up on the seat, buckled the harness first, loosened the straps, slipped in, Flying is the ultimate form of independence. Our young person who runs this week is 26-year-old Jessica Cox. Jessica Cox is certified by the FAA to fly with her feet. If I can fly an airplane, what is it that you can't do? President Obama met with Jessica Cox at the White House and called her an inspiration. I met people as far as Africa. Just recently met someone born without arms, and many people in her community said she doesn't deserve to live. I'm not going to change everyone's mind on that, but I travel all over the world saying it's okay to be different. 
One of the girls actually that I was mentoring who was abandoned as an infant in an orphanage in Siberia doesn't think any of the guys are going to date her. I think it's going to be very important that she comes to the wedding to see me in a dress and figuring out how to throw the bouquet and how to cut the cake with the long dress on and for her to be able to witness that I think will change her in a way that my older mentor changed me. We kind of relate because we both kind of have a hard life because I can't hear and well I was pretty amazed by what she did. Um, I don't know how she succeeds like that. I can tell you today that if I was given the choice, I wouldn't want the arms because of the wonderful things I've been able to do. And not necessarily the things like flying a plane, but the lives that I've been able to touch. Jessica, that's wonderful. And I'm sure you never tire of seeing that. Um, that, that, was the, uh, that was the trailer to the documentary that I was privileged to see when I first met you in Oshkosh. And for those watching, I can guarantee you there was not a single person in that theater who didn't have, uh, or had a, had a dry eye, put it that way. So um, Jessica, again, welcome. And um, tell, us, tell us about your disability um, and you know, your earliest memories. Of, of having your disability? You know, that's a very difficult question only because, I mean, I can only remember back to maybe four or five years old and my awareness of my disability, my awareness of my not having arms, the fact that I was different, it happened much earlier because, I mean, there were stories when my mom would take me to the grocery store prop me into the uh, uh, shopping cart. And as I was sitting there, she would be inundated with questions from everyone at the store about why is the poor baby, why does the poor baby not have any arms? And I knew that something was different because it bothered my mom. My mom was sensitive about that. And um, so my awareness of my not having arms was as early as probably a year old when you start becoming aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, that awareness of being different, particularly as a child, you know, will play on you and how, how what, you know, obviously you had a coping mechanism. Tell us about the, those formative years and, and uh, coming to terms with that disability, particularly the children around you in, the, in school, you know, um, I'm sure you had different uh, uh, reactions from different children. Growing up with such a visual difference, it, it definitely did toughen me up, I would say. Uh, quickly. And fortunately, I was from a smaller town, so people knew each other, but there were still strangers. And when they saw me, they reacted with stares. Children would re react with pointing um, and then questions. And at times, some kids, uh, the bullies in the school would, of course, pick on me because I could easily be singled out. It gave uh, They had a reason to pick on me. And that was a very challenging time, but my mom would always teach me, just ignore them. So I developed a very thick skin at a very early age on how to ignore someone and not let it affect me too much. But, you know, in, in all honesty, it still did feel hurtful when I did re receive that kind of reaction. Yeah, it's interesting, Jessica, because my two daughters, who are now 10 and 13 years old, have grown up with their ability. And, you know, they love riding around on Mike's wheelchair. They 
you know they have great fun at airability headquarters and it's exposure isn't it it's it's what you're brought up with and i'm sure the kids at school who perhaps had family members who are disabled wouldn't have seen you as any different and i think it, it's it's an odd way isn't it how society reacts and uh, you know even even today you know in in 2020 it's it's um it's uh, interesting what society does in its in its perception of disability and i've always said disability is a label you know um that society uses and and i think uh, you know we all have ailments and conditions um so uh, the, the 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 tag i think that's something that society needs needs to do i mean what's your what's your view on on the disability word you know and, and the tag that society seems to give Yes, you know, fortunately, uh, as there's more awareness out there now than even when I was growing up, it makes it a lot easier to be someone who has a disability because there's more awareness. And the more mm. we normalize it, the more we say, oh, there's someone who's hopping in their car and she happens to be missing an arm or missing a leg or happens to be in a wheelchair. And the fact that the disability doesn't define the person is, is where we need to be, is that the person is addressed first and that's what's wonderful about awareness and what makes my job as a speaker, as a life coach and as an advocate, all the more meaningful when I can go out there to show the world that, yeah, there are people without arms. There are people who yeah. are born in a certain way and they adapt and they succeed and they can thrive. And just making that awareness to the world is is important. Yeah, absolutely. And and. Talking about independence, um, so you know, back back to the back to the teenage years. You know, you're you're at school, you've you've moved on a bit, um, and then you begin to fight back. I always remember that word from your from your uh, documentary. So tell us about the fight back, the realization, and the proving of your independence. Tell us what you got up to and and what you were able to master in terms of sport and other pursuits. Well, in the early years, uh, my mechanism for dealing with all the doubt and dealing with a, you can't do that or that's impossible, you don't have arms, would be turn around and immediately do it. So I would do it despite being told not to. And I was that kind of stubborn young girl who would do something, when, especially when someone told me not to or that I couldn't. And I, I mean, I excelled in everything uh, you can imagine in childhood, my, my mother enrolled me in dance lessons. My mother enrolled me uh, in Taekwondo as a 10-year-old. I practiced a martial art that requires, typically requires your arms and hands as well. But we went through the modification process and substituted every single hand movement for a kick or a leg movement so that I could fully mm. participate and meet the requirements with a whole new curriculum but meet the requirements to progress from white belt to black belt. And I got my first black belt as a 14 year old. Incredible. Now, in terms of, in terms of inspiration, we've all got our, <clears throat> our inspiration within our families, um, my father being one. Um, in terms of the inspiration for you to seek out that independence that life had to offer, but you had to find it, you know, I mean, uh, and, and I've, I've, I've heard you speak about uh, Barbie Guerra. Just tell us a bit more about that lady and how and how that changed your life. Well, I went through my life thinking I'm the only one in my world, meeting my community, my family, my hometown, my school. I'm the only one who is like this. And there are some days when being the only one can be um, very isolating and, and makes you feel like, well, is anyone ever going to understand me? And then finally, one day, I remember uh, hearing 
the phone ring and I went to answer the phone and my mom's friend says, turn on the television right now. You have to see this news story. And sure enough, on the news was a story of a woman who was also, she didn't have arms. She used her feet to live an independent life. She was a mother of two sons. She was happily married and living in a house, taking care of her needs. And that changed me to realize I'm not the only one. There is someone out there who understands me. And it was almost like a switch that went off. And I understood that if she could do all that without arms, then there's no limitation to what I can do. If she can be a mother, get married and do everything to be an independent person, then I, I can do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, this is this is a journey in your life that you've wanted to share. And, you know, your um, your motivational speaking has taken you around the world. Tell us how that began for you and what made you go in that direction for your career? I had no idea that I was going to learn how to become a speaker and then travel to 27 countries to share a message and also all in the process advocating for those uh, for people with disabilities, which I had no idea because I grew up very withdrawn. In fact, my senior most uh, title in the senior most magazine in high school was most shy. So I think everyone in school, the least that they they were they would expect that that's the last thing in the world that I would become is a speaker on the stage in front of thousands of people. But I went up for my first speech um, just uh, second year of of high school. Had a taste of what it was like to do motivational speaking, and then I ended up planting that seed. And after getting a degree in psychology and, and communication. I went on to pursue full-time motivational speaking. Wow. Now, tell us, tell us the message that you um, aim to achieve. You know, whenever, whenever I have a business meeting for my day job, it always starts with the objective. What's the outcome? You know, what's your outcome when you've given your message over to a room full of people? And it's, it's funny when you ask that question because it always... Uh, it's always something different and I don't necessarily want to push onto somebody what my message is because to each his own if someone interpret mm. interprets my message as, well if she can do that then I can go uh, you know I can become an astronaut or if she can do that then I can excel in business every person has their own individual takeaway and that's what I like to leave for their interpretation but I definitely want to make sure that that message gets across that it is possible that we can use problem solving and uh, creativity, desire, persistence, and fearlessness to accomplish our dreams, to accomplish our impossible. And all the while also getting the message across that it is okay to be different, that the fact that people are different, it's okay and and we have to be accepting of it and we have to provide everyone the same opportunities because there's no telling what someone can achieve. That's up to the individual. Yeah, quite, absolutely. And and you talk about the individuals. are there any are there any people that stand out, Jessica, in your memory who sat through a, one of your uh, presentations and came up to you and said, wow, you know, you've 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 influenced me to make this decision or I've decided to go down this pathway now because of what you were able to share with me. Are there any stories you have about individuals that have stood out for you? There have been a few now that I've been flying for 14 years. There have been a few people who really were afraid of flying or didn't think they could fly again. I just got a phone call on Tuesday from someone who was really hoping to become 
like a helicopter pilot. And uh, unfortunately, there were some things that happened that that made him doubtful of him um, of achieving that goal. And then he was really at a low point in his life. And then he watched my video about flying the air coop. And he was like, wow, she can do that without arms. And then maybe my dream is still possible. So that was, it's always so rewarding to get those phone calls or to get those emails from people, even people from thousands of miles away. And that's what's so special about aviation is really a, an amazing metaphor for anyone's achievement in life is to achieve, to touch the sky or to accomplish their dream. Absolutely. You know, and, and um, isn't it amazing how the aviation family is a family around the world, no matter you know, color, creed, country, uh, it is It is one big family. Um, and uh, of course, um, we call you one of our own, Jessica. Um, you know, we've had a great relationship now uh, since 2016 when you first, first came over to the UK to, to Blackbush. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. Tell us tell us all about it. And there's, I know there's a very special guy you met as well, isn't there? Yes, and when you brought that, when Mike brought that picture up, I was just so excited to see that because it brought back this flash of memory, uh, of memories when my first trip to London and and then traveling out to AeroAbility to to not only go flying in that plane there, but to invite a special friend who I was aware of since he was probably three years old. The young boy in the middle there was also born without arms, and his mother emailed me when he was a toddler and we stayed in touch over the years. And then finally we had this opportunity to meet each other um, from during my first trip to the UK and, and hearing about aerobility. And I, I asked Mike, I said, can I please bring my friend out to, to meet me? Him and his whole family came out and he went up on his first flight in an airplane. And that just shows, I think this was either after or before, but <laughs> he was so excited and thrilled about that opportunity to fly to fly in that plane and be his first flight in a small plane. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Jessica, it's wonderful. One of the things that we see every day at Arability, um, and it can pass you by if you don't look close enough, but every day we change lives, you know, and, and it's that it's that magic of flying, isn't it? I don't know what it is. It's you know, it, it's it's just a wonderful thing. So um, of course, you've got the bug like we all have. Um, I believe it was 2008 uh, that you got your uh, your pilot certificate. So tell us about your journey. Um, really intrigued to hear this, the story of, of, you know, your 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 uh, path to getting your your license. Tell us about that. Well, it was a very long path for probably compared to the average person. And it's funny, I hear an airplane flying overhead at the moment. So it's it's helping me out, bring back my memories back to when I started this journey of, of, of flying. Uh, there were three questions. Who would be able to teach me? What kind of airplane would be suitable for me? And how would the uh, governing body of aviation, the Federal Aviation Administration, how would they respond to my uh, inquiry into flying? And of uh, that, we had to tackle one challenge at a time. Um, I went through three different airplanes, three different flight instructors, um, flights training in Florida, California, then back in Arizona, numerous hours uh, of training, uh, numerous hours of figuring out how are we going to make this work. Some of the difficulties uh, specifically for my uh, situation is the fact that uh, there is very limited room in the airplane. And so I have to have one foot on the yoke 
and the other foot on the throttle and I had to crisscross my legs because the seats are fixed seats. They do not slide back. So for the limited space in the cockpit, I had to crisscross my legs and I had to develop this muscle memory with all that ab work. If you can imagine putting your feet on the controls for something critical like flying an airplane, you have to have a lot of abs, a lot of muscles in your yeah. legs. And yeah. um, that, that took some time and it took some figuring out. The airplane was not modified in any way. The airplane was not built custom. It was just the standard air coop airplane, but we had to work with what we had. And it was it was mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of tweaking and figuring it out. Wow. And, and, and how about the, um, the medical side of things? You know, what was the um, opinion and the point of view of, of the FAA? I mean, what, what are the rules around your medical? Well, what was so interesting is we were, Probably we were fear. I'm trying to remember back, but we were fearing for the worst uh, kind of response. But we actually got quite the opposite. We got very encouraging response, a response from the FAA. I remember my examiner uh, explicitly saying to me, "If you can fly an airplane with your nose and show me how you can fl safely fly this airplane with your nose, then you can fly an airplane. If you can show me how you can safely fly this plane with your feet." and you can do everything I asked of you, I see no reason why you should not be a certified uh, sport pilot. And right around 2001, right around a couple years before I started flying, uh, the sport pilot certificate became available, which means that you don't have to have a physical to start your training. You could actually uh, fly with a license, a driver's license. And so that sport pilot certificate opened up this world of aviation to me because I did have a driver's license. I didn't have to get a medical. And that's yeah. what allowed me to transition into student pilot and make my way through solo and then on to certification. So all of us in aviation, I think there's, 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 there's two words certainly that just resonate with me whenever I get in an airplane and get airborne and that's freedom and independence. Perhaps it means a little bit more uh, to someone who's, you know, really fought hard and, and spent that time proving that it is possible. Tell us your feelings on your first solo flight. I don't think there's any pilot in the world who doesn't remember that, that day. Tell us, tell us about the day. It's, and it's wonderful that you asked me that, John, because this week celebrates uh, my 14th anniversary of solo flight. Oh. And on Monday, just three days ago, I was experiencing those same feelings I had many years ago when I first soloed in the airplane. And that empowerment, the freedom you mentioned, the independence that you mentioned, it was the ultimate form. Because for one, my flight didn't go as smoothly as some uh, pilots have their first solo flight. I was having radio issues mid-flight. And so here I was flying a plane for the first time without anyone else in the airplane. And then having some kind of issue when I was hearing static on the radio and, and broken a broken voice, so I couldn't make out anything on the radio because of a radio issue. Uh, it turned out to be a headset issue. And having all that all while flying an airplane and surviving my solo landing with something happening like that, I walked out of that airplane, climbed out of that airplane, I should say, as truly empowered that I could do anything and that I'm pilot in command. And that was such, uh, such a fantastic feeling. I mean, I smiled for the whole day after that solo flight. You know, you can't, 
stop smiling when you experience that. And I'm sure many people who've had their solo can remember remember to that day and how you just can't stop smiling. Yeah, absolutely. No, I remember um, I remember the night very well uh, from my first solo as well. Um, and uh, like like uh, anything in aviation, it's addictive. You want more. Now, is it right you've uh, recently become the proud own, owner of your own aircraft? Yes, it's it's still <laughs> unbelievable to me the fact that someone was so generous, a pilot by the name of Tim Treat, who owned this particular airplane that I fly and calls me up one day and says, I would like for you to have my air coupe airplane. And I was speechless. I was touched all of that uh, at the same time. And and also I wondered, well, how am I going to take care of an airplane? <laughs> yeah. Um, so but I would, you know, I would learn however fast it w I would need to learn. I would figure it out. And it has been only less than a year that I can go now to the airport, which is about 10 minutes away, hop in my car, drive down and know that there's an airplane that was donated to a foundation that I have for people with disabilities and know that I can hop in that plane, which I'm going to do tomorrow morning and oh, take okay. off into the sky. Uh, it's it's incredible. There are, are there obvious challenges, any kind of older airplane, which this is, is over 70 years old, this airplane. So there are always challenges with having an older airplane, but uh, it sure is, is marvelous when you can take off in the sky in, in, in an airplane that was given to you. It was, it's such a blessing. Yeah, of course. And, and, and I think, um, you know, there's, there's so many guys, uh, I can see, by the way, the, uh, the live chat is lit up, Jessica. Um, there's oh. so many people saying hi. There's some guys from France, Poland, um, Patrick uh, Judy uh, from Paris, um, and a few of our own guys as well. Neil Tucker says, attitude is everything. How cool is that? Um, so um, tell us a bit more about this foundation you mentioned, because I know you're doing a lot of work, uh, not just motivational speaking. Tell us uh, the, you know, the, the wider scope of what you're doing in terms of championing disability. Well, I, I love how AeroBility serves so many people and uses aviation. And I had a taste of that when I visited back uh, four years ago now. Um, but I love, I, I love to share that as well, that feeling of how aviation can empower you and how it can um, change your life. So I'm going to use this airplane that was donated to my foundation to help more people with disabilities experience flight to uh, take children up with disabilities. I've already had a list of some children who happen to be born without arms who wanna go flying with me. And, um, and once everything is in order with the airplane and everything's set up, that is the hope is to use this airplane as a vehicle, as a tool of inspiration and motivation. And um, if, you know, if you ever wanna follow me, just this, actually today I'll be releasing a video on some of the updates to this airplane. So um, the aviation community has responded so wonderfully. I have a couple new parts and pieces to make flying even easier for me. Like I had a three-point harness installed, thanks to my friend Sid, and that harness allows me to feel more secure in my seat because with my legs up on the controls like that, it's a lot of work. And I need that yeah. extra leverage with a three-point harness. So if you wanna check it out at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, but I think maybe everyone in the UK will be asleep by then, but <laughs> that's here, that's at about, eight. well, that's only about eight, eight out, a little less than eight hours from now. Yeah, you know, well, for sure. I know there's a few, there's, there's a few uh, people who will be up that time tonight. I know that for sure. Um, and uh, in, in terms of your travels, tell us, tell us about that, um, memorable stories. I mean, they, I, I have a, 
what we did, Jessica, before today is we had some people send in some questions um, uh, for after this uh, discussion we're having now. And there, there is a theme and it's it's about the, you know, the breadth of travel and the, the people that you've met. Can you give us a sense of what that that sort of trend is in, in people's reaction to, to, to you know, to, to what you're telling them? Oh, that's such a wonderful question because people have responded in so many different ways to what I'm telling them. The fact that I'm a certified pilot, I can fly an airplane. I was given the privilege and the support and the opportunity to fly an airplane. And I think the opportunity is what I like to hold on to, to share with people globally, is that the reality is people with disabilities around the world don't have the opportunity. And if you're never given an opportunity, how do you really know how much you can achieve? And mm -hmm. for me, if I didn't get the opportunity of having an education, of going to college, of then learning to fly and not being discriminated against, I would not be here sharing the story right now. I would have never known of aeroability. I would have mm -hmm. never been to 27 countries. So that whole uh, idea, that concept that people with disabilities can exceed and excel, uh, exceed expectations, excel at what they achieve. I think that's what people try to grasp because in so many countries, um, people are like in disbelief and they almost celebrate me like a, like I'm some kind of real celebrity uh, and, and, and the fact that I can do something that not anyone can do. Um, but I always bring home that message that people with disabilities are uh, your next door neighbor. It's just in some parts of the world, they're either, some are even hidden away. Some aren't given the opportunity to education. Some aren't given the opportunity to even sit in an airplane. So uh, that awareness is what's wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, and there's Neil's message down there again. Um, so I, 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 I think it's fantastic uh, what you're doing, Jessica. And, um, you know, long may your, your uh, story continue and raising awareness to even more people. Um, now, I know um, we, we're going to do questions uh, very shortly. Um, and uh, we do have one more video to show. Um, and then after that video, we're going to talk about something else that you're doing. Um, possible thinking, which you can tell us a bit more about. But what we're going to do now, we're going to have a look at another video and then we'll, uh, we'll talk some more. I absolutely love that video. Every time I see it, it makes me smile. Um, okay. I'm sure people remember that. That was the Paralympics 2016. And that's you were over in the UK filming for that. Is that right? When we met? That is. Yes. What a special uh, opportunity that was to be a part of all those amazing people who came together to show and share what they can do. And they filmed it, it was a high production. Uh, high, I mean, it was wonderful production that they did. Um, and we were treated so well. And it was it was just so, see how, to see how that come together and to see mm. the final product. And now it has what, millions of views. So yeah. it was so special to go there for that, yes. And because of all your talents, you, you probably had your own four or five minutes worth in there, didn't you? I noticed you were in there a few times. <laughs> yes, and if you saw the airplane, that was the AeroAbility airplane, and that was the time that I went to AeroAbility, and they um, came in the airplane with a, one of the the well, one of the camera guys came in to fly uh, fly with us, and I went up in the plane, and that was me in the AeroAbility airplane with my foot on the yoke. Awesome, fantastic. Um, so, okay, tell us about possible thinking. This is really cool. Tell us, tell us more. 
So uh, right now, we everyone is is challenged in one way or another, and um, you know we have adversity. Everyone's facing adversity, um, you know whether it's uh, health or whether it's uh, professionally or whether it's personally or or dealing with uh, the importance of social distancing and and all the challenges that come with that, or dealing with how to how are we how are we more cautious about not spreading germs and things like that and and spreading the virus, um, and so. In that adversity that we've been facing, I was inspired to create a community of people. Um, it's called the Motivation Nation. And it's basically a group of people who I'm able to stay in touch with and weekly send a free email that says, here's a, a motivation, uh, motivational Monday email to start off your week. And I have a website where people can submit their emails and then I'll send out that every single uh, Monday, send out a nice uh, motivational email that will set them um, on the right course for the week. And it's possiblethinking.com slash M as in Mary, N as in Nancy. So a possiblethinking.com slash MN. And that's right there. Thank you, uh, Mike, for bringing that up so that people can submit their emails if they want to be part of this motivation nation to uh, be part of motivation. And right now, I think it's when we a lot of people need it. Uh, but we really need to rise above and become stronger than ever. And that's what's uh, what was inspired during this time of quarantine. Well, and, and that, that message, uh, Jessica, cannot be said, I think, in uh, any any way better than yourself. And I, I, uh, I encourage everybody to to go on the website, have a look. And of course, you um, you have your motivational speaking website as well. Hopefully when lockdown is over, uh, we'll have the opportunity to see you again in the UK. Um, but uh, but Jessica, for now, uh, before we go to questions, I just want to say a huge thank you for uh, getting up early uh, in Arizona uh, and sharing with us uh, some just wonderful stories uh, about your life. And, and I'm sure uh, today you'll have inspired even more people by watching this. So Jessica, thank you very much. You're so welcome and thank you to AeroAbility for changing the lives of so many people, empowering them through aviation as well. Thank you very much. So glad to be on. Oh, well, that's great. Now, um, we're gonna go to questions um, and I have quite a few. So I'm gonna work through them and we'll see how far we get. So the first question I have um, is, have you met many other people with the same condition as yourself? I shared with you earlier my first encounter with a woman who was uh, also the si similar situation. And so that brought that awareness that I'm not the only one and there are other people out there and having that community would change someone's life. And I've reached out to probably over the last 20 years now, um, a good 20 to 30 people with the same situation. They were either born without both arms. Most of them are born without arms versus have lost them. Um, I've only known one person who's lost their arms or one or two, but uh, most people are also born in the same situation and it is incredible. So yes, I have reached out over the years and I continue to do that and continue to provide a support network through my foundation to help people who were born without arms or, um, or have lost their arms. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's a great question. Would you have learned to fly if it wasn't for your disability? Well, I think about that and I really don't know if I would have learned to fly because I had no other connections to flying. No, not, no one in my family. 
I'd never been in a small airplane before that first time going up, which was through the offer of a fighter pilot. And the only reason the fighter pilot asked me if I wanted to go up in a small plane, which was my first time flying, is because I was speaking and sharing a motivational speech. And I wouldn't have shared my motivational speech if I didn't have a platform to speak about, which obviously my platform is the fact that I do all everything and achieve things even with adversity. And so I don't know if I would have even had that door open to me if I was born with arms and uh, lived life. I may have just gone through life not even knowing what it was like to, to, to touch the sky in an airplane. I mean, I have, of course, had been on many commercial flights, but never as pilot in command. Yeah, of course. Um, here's, another, here's another good question. Um, what reaction do you get from people who see you getting into or out of your aircraft when you're about to go flying or have just, just come back from flying? That's a great one. And because so many people in the aviation world are aware of my story, sometimes that gives it away. But um, there, I mean, just like driving a car, I mean, even even driving where people are not so aware of my story, people are just like, what's going on here? How is this possible? And even on occasion, people will drive up right next to me on the freeway or on a road and take a, a closer look, see, is this real? Is this really true? Is she really driving with her feet? Now, obviously, you can't get that close in an airplane, but um, I'm looking forward to more reactions um, now that I have this Aircoop airplane and I'll be flying it more places. So I'll have to update people on what kind of reactions I get. But yeah, it's it's always it is wonderful to to catch people off guard. Yeah, quite. Um, and then we have one here. Um, what would be your message to somebody struggling with their independence who has a disability? I think independence is what has fueled my confidence, um, being able to say I did it on my own. And if anyone is struggling with independence, I just want to encourage you to continue to, to uh, continue to push for that independence. Uh, keep fighting. Don't ever give up. Because once you are able to achieve something independently, there comes this, there's this boost of confidence. Now it's sometimes a, a process. It sometimes takes years to do something independently. Sometimes it takes um, other people's ideas. I mean, for me, example, getting dressed on my own was a period of maybe 14 years to finally figure out how to do it independently. But the moment I got my pants on my own, I remember running out of the room and screaming, I did it, I did it. Yeah. I did it by myself. So for anyone who is um, fighting to get their own independence, keep up the fight, don't ever give up. and try to figure it out um, and, and maybe have some creativity from other people who can help you come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this is an interesting one. It's, it's similar. I think this is one um, more of acceptance of disability. Uh, the question is, what's your advice to someone who is struggling to come to terms with their disability? So perhaps this is someone who's recently become disabled and what, what, need, 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 need some advice. That's a beautiful question. And because I was born this way, this is all I've ever known since day one. So I may not have the full understanding of what it's like to lose something that you had at one point in your life. But, you know, I just can say from my own experience, it's just about really keeping it positive. Sure, there may be things that may not be as possible as they were before, 
uh, before your accident, before whatever it is that happened uh, that may have given you a disability. But it's really important to look at and to um, focus on those things that you can do. So I think uh, one of my other speaker friends has said, you know, sure, there are a thousand things that I cannot do, but there are a million other things that I can do. So really focus in on the positive, stay positive, really keep your uh, eyes on those things that you can do and um, and work through it and do your best to, to keep your spirits up. Great advice. Um, okay, back to the flying. Um, how often do you fly? And when you do fly, do you focus on key skills? I fly, um, I actually have not been flying for a month now um, with the state that I live in on, under lockdown. I was at a point uh, prior to the, to the um, shelter in place recommendation. Prior to that, I was getting up to speed with this airplane because I'd been in the shop for a good seven months. And so it was coming out of the shop after it was just given to me, uh, given to my foundation. It was in the shop for a long period. I just got it out and was just getting back up to speed to my solo flight um, hours to getting comfortable in the airplane again. And then the shelter in place recommendation came in. And so we stopped it completely at the recommendation of our governor. And so tomorrow I'll be going back up again for the first time in about a month and a half. And that'll be wonderful to be able to get back up to speed. And I guess the, the question is how often I fly? Well, I'm gonna fly as much as I possibly can because I can drive to a, the airplane, which is 10 minutes away. And, and um, when I can and have the uh, budget to fund the, the fuel, the aviation gas to, to fly the airplane, I think I love to find a reason. And it also has to be a very calm day because for me, being getting back up into the swing of things, I need to have calm skies. Uh, turbulent weather winds are a little, uh, they kind of get, get me a little bit, uh, I'm just not prepared for that just yet. So I'm gonna do some smooth flying first and then get back up to speed uh, with handling turbulence and windier days. I'm exactly the same boat as you, Jessica. Uh, when I get back flying again, you know, not gonna be pushing it. and. I can guarantee there's probably thousands of pilots like us, aren't there, who are just bursting to get back in the air after the after lockdown. Um, so I've got I've got two more questions here. Um, the next one is: Have you come across any other pilots who have a disability in the U.S.? I've come across so many pilots who have a disability, and um, I actually met someone who flies with one arm. I've met uh, many pilots who fly, who have paralyzed legs. Uh, there was even someone who was an inspiration to me um, and he passed away last year, but he was a quadriplegic who had limited mobility with all four limbs and was able to retrofit his air coupe airplane, the same model airplane I fly. He was able to modify it so that he could fly that with limited function in all four limbs. And that was incredible uh, to mm. see. To, to know him. So yes, I do meet them. I meet every I meet them all the time and it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, here's the last question. Um, uh, going back to your um, sporting talents, do you have a favorite sport that you that you uh, undertake? I am still currently am practicing Taekwondo. Now it depends on, on whether you see Taekwondo as a sport or if you see it as a martial art. It is in the Olympics. Uh, so um, Taekwondo is, I think, I, the closest thing I consider my regular sport because I was in class last night 
and I regular part regularly participate. I'm now fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo, mm -hmm. and I did have a state champion title in 2014. That's awesome. Well, I'm ne never ever going to cross you, Jessica. That's for sure. <laughs> I know who'll win. Don't worry, um, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Jessica, it's been wonderful. Um, I, thank you so much for giving your time. Um, and uh, and I do hope that when lockdown is over, you'll come back to the UK and you'll come flying with us at Airability. Um, there's a lot of people who would love to meet you who didn't get the opportunity back in 2016. So it just leaves me to say, Jessica, thank you ever so much. It's been awesome talking to you. Um, and uh, Mike, I'm gonna turn it back to you now and uh, we'll leave it there. Jessica, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Hi guys, well that was absolutely Well thank you, thank you Mike. Well um well that was that was a that was a big Holly Davidson just driving past my window if you heard a heard a huge noise then. Um so uh, Mike I'll leave it to you to talk about the um uh, just giving and uh, inspirability next chapter. Brilliant, well thank you guys. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh thanks for letting me reiterate. Uh, it's only with your support that we can continue to do what we do. So thank you, everybody, for watching today. Uh, Jessica, you know, you're absolutely at the core of what we do. You understand flying and you understand disability. So uh, you're very much right at the heart of the Airability family. So thank you for sharing your message with us. And at the bottom of the screen there is our link. So thank you for your support, guys. If you would like to just donate a few pounds, that makes a huge difference. Okay. Uh, well, keep an eye everybody on social media. I'd like to uh, uh, say that we've got really something very exciting in the uh, in development right now for in a few weeks' time, uh, maybe to do a, a bigger online event. So watch this space. We'll be talking about it on social media soon. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to continuing to engage with you all. But everybody stay safe and uh, good, good, good morning to Jessica and uh, good night to everybody here in Europe. Thanks, guys.